I hope that you've enjoyed a wonderful uh, holiday season and that you'll have a wonderful start to the new year as we turn into 2020 here in a few days. My family has been here with us and it's been wonderful. We do have a little bit of sickness in the household right now. That's the territory when you have little kids, right? They go to school, then they bring it home, then the adults get sick. But that's what happens. So a little bit of that going on, but other than that, it's been absolutely wonderful to have them all here. One person that's not here this morning is Dawson Pollock. It's unfortunate. Dawson is at a snow camp, his mother said to me this morning, which is unfortunate because Dawson, if you were here for our Christmas Eve service, did a fantastic job with a monologue that he did to start our program. And it was really, really wonderful to have him do that. He did a great job. I don't know how long it was. He must have been speaking for four or five minutes uh, from memory. And it was, just, uh, it was just fantastic what he did. So I was going to say, you know, it'd be great if he was here to hear that, that accolade because I'd like to say it in front of him so that he could receive it. Maybe I'll say it when he is here. Another reason, though, that Dawson has missed out this morning is that there was a couple of, time, a couple of years ago when Hope told me they were on their way to church. It was the last Sunday of the year. And Dawson said, I can't possibly miss this morning because of Kelly's jokes. Because twice a year, Kelly does this. Once on Stampede Sunday and then once on the last Sunday of the year, I tell what I consider to be the most wonderful bits of humor that the world has ever heard. They, like, they really are amazing if you listen to them. Like, for example, at the bank where I work, this is, I, I don't work at a bank. This is not me actually telling the story. But at the bank where I work, an older woman with a cane asked me to check her balance for her. So I took her cane away and pushed her sideways, and she fell right over. That's all there was. Why did the cow cross the street? To get to the other side. Huh? Okay, that's a groaner. That one's pretty bad, I have to admit. Why did the ants dance on the jam jar? Because the lid said, twist to open. (laughs) What does a cheetah say when someone looks at it? I've been spotted. (laughs) What do you think, Max? Not bad? Yeah, Max gave me the double thumbs up. A man goes to a pet shop and he buys a talking parrot. He takes the parrot home, and he tries to teach the parrot how to say a few things, but instead the parrot just swears at him. After a few hours of trying to teach the bird, the man finally says, if you don't stop swearing, I'm going to put you in the freezer as punishment. The parrot continues swearing, so finally the man puts the bird in the freezer. About an hour later, the parrot asks the man to please open the door. As the man takes the shivering bird out of the freezer, it says, I promise to never swear again, but please tell me what the turkey did. Did you know there is a species of antelope capable of jumping higher than the average house due to its powerful hind legs and the fact that the average house can't jump at all? Look, we've got a university student here even laughing at that one. One day a duck walks into a store and asks the manager if they sell grapes. The manager says, no, we don't sell grapes. The duck goes home and comes back the next day and asks the same question. The manager says the same thing, no, we don't sell grapes. Or sorry, the duck comes and asks the same thing. The manager says the same thing. No, we don't sell grapes. The duck goes home, comes back the next day, and asks the manager, do you sell grapes? This time the manager says, no, we don't sell grapes. If you ask me one more time, I'm going to nail your beak to the floor. The duck goes home. It comes back the next day, and he asks the manager if it has any nails. The manager says, no. He says, no, I don't have any nails. The duck says, okay, then do you sell any grapes? 
I can go on and on. Late one night, a burglar broke into a house, and while he was sneaking around, he heard a voice say, Jesus is watching you. He looked around and saw nothing. He kept on creeping, and again he heard, Jesus is watching you. In a dark corner, he saw a cage with a parrot inside. The burglar asked the parrot, was it you who said, Jesus is watching me? And the parrot replied, yes. Relieved, the burglar asked, what is your name? The parrot said, Clarence. The burglar said, that's a stupid name for a parrot. What idiot named you Clarence? And the parrot answered, the same idiot that named the Doberman Pinscher Jesus. <laughs> a man with a monkey, or sorry, a boy with a monkey on his shoulder was walking down the road when he passed a policeman. He's walking down the road, he's got a po- monkey on his shoulder. Now, young lad, I think you'd better take that monkey to the zoo. The next day, the boy was walking down the road with the monkey on his shoulder again, and when he passed the same policeman, the policeman said, Hey there, I thought I told you you needed to take that monkey back to the zoo. The boy answered, I did, and today I'm taking him to the movies. Okay, one blonde joke, just because Dell's here, and Dell used to be blonde. Is that true, Dell? You used to be blonde. Yeah, I believe that. I believe that, yeah. yeah. I was trying to figure out why you weren't laughing. So a blonde and a redhead have a ranch. Okay, a blonde and a redhead have a ranch. What do you think, Penn? <laughs> they have just lost their bull. The women need to buy another, but they only have $500. The redhead tells the blonde, I'm going to go to the market and see if I can find one for under that amount. If I can, I'll send you a telegram. She goes to the market and she finds one for $499. So she's got a dollar left. Having only $1 left, she goes to the telegraph office and finds out that it costs $1 for every word of the telegram. So she doesn't have enough money. She's stumped on how to tell the blonde to bring the truck and trailer. Finally, she tells the telegraph operator to send the word comfortable. Skeptical, the operator asks, how will she know to come with a truck and a trailer just from that one word? And the redhead replies, because she's blonde. And so when she reads, she will read, comfortable. (laughs) Comfortable. No, that's a joke, really. And Terry, Terry is back here. Terry Harkness thought it was hilarious. He's still laughing. And when he likes my jokes so much that he takes them and he tells them in other contexts and doesn't give me credit. I can't think of a better way to start the new year than by prayer and connecting with God. So I'll tell you what, on January 11th, which is a Saturday coming up, we're going to do that. Okay, last year, some of you will remember that on January 12th, we met here for a Saturday morning, and from 9 to 12, we prayed. And we're going to do the same thing this next coming year. We're going to get together from 9 to 12 on January 11th, and we're going to pray. I hope you can make it. I hope you're here. Last year, we had probably 30, 35 people or so who came and just spent about three hours together in prayer, and it was rich, it was deep, it was wonderful. And so I hope that you will come next year and, uh, and be willing to be part of that. And if you can't make it, it doesn't mean that you can't pray, for sure, to start the year. But we're going to pray together at the beginning of the year. As a leadership team, 
We spent a, a weekend in 2020 getting ready, for, or a weekend in 2019, getting ready for the year's ministry. And this, along with a number of other things, really became foci for us during the course of 2019 because there were some really wonderful things that happened in the course of the year. One of the things that that group did, and one of the things that we are going to do as we begin this year again is pray. And so I hope that you, at the beginning of this year, prayed with us. If you'll remember, at the end of 2017, the end of 2018, we actually asked people to pray for about the last month or month and a half of the years. We didn't do that specifically this year. But I think that God blessed us richly when we spent time in prayer at the end of 2017 and 2018. And so I'm hoping that we will be able to do that again. And I really hope that you do come on January 11th. But even if you don't, think seriously about what it means for you to be a prayerful person and start the year in prayer the way that we did in 2019. I think that was really good for us. Another thing that we did in 2019 was we started with a three-month section or so right at the beginning of the year of connecting with God. And some of you will remember this. We talked about what it means to connect with God in all kinds of ways, whether it was through prayer or Bible study or fellowship and worship. Lots of different ways found us connecting with God in the first three months of the year. And again, I hope that you're thinking, I, I could do that again. I would enjoy spending that kind of time focusing on God and who He is and connecting with Him. So I really encourage you to do that as you enter into 2020. We'll say some, some more about that in a little while. One of the other things we did in 2019 was that we began uh, a time of 12 months on focused ministries. So you might remember us saying, especially as we ended August and moved into September, how we were going to focus on community, specifically our ministry in the community, how we were going to focus on family ministry, largely because we have so many kids and they're, of course, growing older, becoming teenagers. How is it that we can help those kids and those teenagers to be as faithful as they possibly can be? And so we actually formed a, a, a group of parents, uh, some staff members, concerned people who would get together and talk about how we can promote ministry within our families and, in fact, keep our, our children focused on who Jesus is. And then we spent a lot of time in the last year, and really more than that, talking about leadership and what it means for us to prepare people for leadership. And so we as a church have a program going right now. It's just getting off the ground right now in terms of uh, a mentoring between former elders and some younger guys to help them become elders eventually in our church. I don't know if all those people will eventually become elders, but we have a mentoring program that we've just started, uh, and it is going to run for the next two years where people are being prepared to do some mentoring. So community, family ministry, and leadership were three ways in which the leadership group, when we got together at a retreat early in the year, we talked about how we would spend these times in focused ministry in the next 12 months, which really started in September. So up through August, these kind of elements are still going to be foci for our ministry here. And, and I'm excited about that, us spending that kind of time focused on these things. Another thing that we've done now for quite a few years just to talk about discipleship and how important this is to us. And we're hoping that discipleship will remain a key element to our church ministry throughout the rest of the year. So those are some things that we did very early on, started talking about um, ministry and where we were going to focus. We also had a whole series on Galatians. You might remember that, went through the book of Galatians last spring. We then talked during the summer about Jesus and some issues, some things that confront us. 
ways in which Jesus responds to things that are going on around us. And we wanted to look specifically who Jesus is and what Jesus does in light of these. So we talked about those kind of things. And then this last fall, we, of course, have done our thing with intersections and recognize that there are so many places where our faith and the world intersect, where all of a sudden there's sometimes uh, a conflict that occurs between ourselves and, those, and the world at those places of intersection. Sometimes there is congruency or there is um, room for us to mesh with the world in some way and recognizing the value of the good things that they're doing. And certainly in the midst of all of that, able to show Jesus to them every time that we have those intersections. So if I was to, to talk about what we're going to do in terms of specific ministries, I would love to see us continue to especially to focus on the community ministry, and I know that we will in 2020. There have been some great things that have happened, especially here at the end of the year with our Christmas in Marlboro, our connections with the, the group that comes on Wednesdays at lunch. But, like Those have been really, really wonderful connections. Great relationships have been built with some people. Um, those of you who are in this service, of course, weren't in the first one, and you didn't listen to one of our guys, Leonard, who has become so much part of, of many of the lives of, of people who are here at this church, was sitting here uh, requesting a song. And the song had specifically to do with the fact that he needs Jesus in his life. And so I was grateful that Leonard was here. The only reason that Leonard was here and able to request a song about Jesus being present in his life is because of those Wednesday lunches and the kind of connections that we have there. Those kind of things have been wonderful, and we want that to continue. And then, again, these relationships that we have. At Christmas time, when we sat down and had conversations with people, there were, there were connections made in a, in a superior way, in a, a developing kind of way, a deeper way, that just hasn't taken place before. And I was grateful for all of that, and we need to ask God to continue to bless us as we build those kinds of relationships with people. Well, what is it that we're going to do in 2020? And I don't know what your life's going to be like for you in the year 2020. First of all, by the way, for those of you who are older, isn't it amazing that we're in a year 2020? Like, I remember a song about that a long time ago. What's going to happen when we get to the year 2020? What's going to happen when we get to the year, uh, you know, whatever in the future? Uh, 95, 95. Remember that song? We're here. 2020 is one of the, those years in that song, and here we are uh, at that point in time. It's amazing. I hope that as we move into this time of year that you will be thinking about this kind of question. How is Christ and ministry in his name reflected in our lives? I don't know what kind of things you'll think about as you start thinking about New Year's resolutions. I don't know what kind of things you'll be thinking about as you make plans for what's going to come into your family's life or into your life in this new year. But I'd like to think that as Christians, one of the things that we would do is to ask this question, how is Christ and ministry in His name reflected in our lives? One of the things that's so true is that church is not just about coming here on Sunday morning and meeting together. We do do that. I'm glad we do. I'm glad we worship. Coming and singing the songs that we sang this morning, having the, the, the chance to choose those and then talk about how those are important to us, that's neat stuff. 
And I always enjoy the blessing of worshiping with you on Sunday morning. It's always rich and deep, and it's a wonderful experience. You know, I never just go through this uh, experience on Sunday morning in a perfunctory kind of way, just getting it done. I always enjoy my worship. I always enjoy singing. I always enjoy the Word and the Lord's Supper and all the things that go on. But church is so much more than that. And one of those things that it needs to be for all of us is the opportunity to serve in different ways those around us. And so I would love it if we could just ask the question as we go into a new year, how is it that I'm going to participate in ministry this year? How is it this year that I'm going to serve? How am I going to give myself? It's so important that Christians think, how am I going to give myself to the Lord in His service, because God really wants us to do this. Let me show you the example of one person who who made a choice about this and then speaks powerfully about what it means to intentionally serve God with His life. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's on page 818 in the Bibles that are underneath the seats, if you're looking at those. Let me tell you a story before I read this. You know, my grandkids are here. Um, I won't say anything more about how wonderful they are. My grandkids are here, and one of the things that uh, I was told after I got here, Adam, who was here in the first service, said to me, you know, Dad, one of the cool things that happened in the last little while was that there was a a child that my daughter-in-law tutors, because she's a teacher, and this child's father was laid off. Uh, just right after American Thanksgiving. And so Christmas was coming up and he lost his job. And because their son is tutored by my daughter-in-law, our grandchildren heard about that. So they said to their mom and dad, we don't want them to just have nothing at Christmas time. So what could we do to try and do something here to raise some money for them? And they hit on the idea of uh, Easton, our oldest, was going to go to a chess tournament. And there were going to be about 200 kids and all their families at this chess tournament. And Easton said, well, Mom and Dad, why don't we go and buy a bunch of refreshment kind of snack things, and we'll go to the chess tournament, and we'll set up a table, and we'll sell all these snacks and things, and we'll tell people what this is all about, and we'll raise some money for this family that maybe is going to miss out on Christmas because their dad got laid off. So they did that. But they They didn't raise tons of money. I think he said they raised $337. Which you think, well, that's not that much money. But it might just be a lot of money to a father who had just lost his job as he heads into Christmas time for his kids. Now, I don't know exactly what caused my grandchildren to be thinking about that, but I think it has an awful lot to do with their church experience, an awful lot to do with what it means for them to be raised in a Christian situation and to say, this is the kind of God that we have. This is the kind of church we have. This is the kind of Christ that we have. Christ calls us to these kinds of things. So it's not a crazy question for us to ask, how am I going to serve as I move into 2020 when there are people around us everywhere who have needs that we can somehow meet if we just open our eyes and are willing to think about how we might serve? So here's what Paul says about this very same kind of thing in chapter 4, verse 1 of 2 Corinthians. He says, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we don't lose heart. And it's easy for in our climate to lose some heart. 
we'd look around us and think, well, the gospel's not doing everything we want it to do. It's easy to lose some heart. Paul says, and, I, and his situation had to be at least as bad as ours, we can't lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We don't use deception, nor do we distort the Word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So Paul's just saying, I'm going to tell people about who God is. And that's going to influence people, to this good message presented with a clear conscience. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Those are important words. Paul says, we preach not ourselves, but Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. That's who we are. In this case, Paul is saying, we are servants of you Corinthians. And we're servants of Jesus for His sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts. So God works something in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. We, because of what God has done, see God's good pleasure and His desires displayed in Jesus, and we respond by then being what God wants us to be in following after Christ, what we see in Christ and His whole countenance. So Jesus is something, and we say, I want to be that. I want to serve like that. I, there are needs in my world around me, and I want to be a meter of those kinds of needs because that's who Jesus is. That's what I see in Him. Verse 7 says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So we can go about serving God and doing all the wonderful things that God wants us to do, but it's not us. In fact, we are, as you know, feeble and pretty weak. Sometimes lazy, not at all, always what God wants us to be. There's a lot of us who no doubt it, you're thinking about 2020 and you're not thinking about how is it that I can go into this world and do ministry for Christ in 2020. You're probably thinking, how can I shed 10 pounds? That's how we tend to think. Or what kind of successes am I going to have in 2020? And all the while Jesus is saying, what I want you to ask is, how can I go into this new year Serving other people in the name of Jesus, just as Jesus served all those around him. That's what he wants from us. And that's a new perspective, a different perspective, but that's exactly what God calls us to. So Paul says, since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. And the point is, is that God is working in Paul to do something wonderful for the Corinthians. For whom will we be wonderful? Whom will we serve? To whom can we bring this? Earlier, uh, just above this, it says that 
Jesus himself gives himself a sacrifice and dies on the cross, revealing something about his mortal body and our own. And then he says, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. So even though death is present in the cross of Jesus and present in our own lives, God himself is doing something incredible, even among us who are so feeble and so weak and so death-like. I can't begin to accomplish anything really for God. I just can't. Like I look at Kelly's talents and abilities and they are overshadowed by my weaknesses, by my sinfulness, by my inabilities. That's just the way it is. And it is that way with you too. But when I have a heart that is open and willing to say, how is it, Jesus, you want to use me in ministry? All of a sudden, I'm not on my own. All of a sudden, my weakness doesn't really count. All of a sudden, the feebleness that is so ingrained in me is transcended by the power of God who lives in me. And Jesus is so able to take a heart that says, I just want to serve you and to do something with it that we can't begin to imagine could possibly be done. I have to admit to you that when we started doing some feeding of homeless people on Wednesdays at lunches, on Wednesdays at lunch, and doing some of the other things we do on here, I, I didn't really, if I'm totally honest with myself, I didn't really expect all that much. And God has taken that and done something absolutely wonderful because some people were willing to serve and put themselves out there in those ways. How is it, as you approach a new year, that you'll be willing to put yourself out there and to serve? And I promise you, if you do this, there will be risk involved. It may be that it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost you your effort. There are going to be days when you're in the midst of serving Jesus and you think, I could be doing something else. Or what will probably really happen is you'll have an opportunity and you'll say, well, what do I do here? And you recognize all of a sudden the reality of the sacrifice that you make when you serve Christ. What Jesus promises you is that when you are in the midst of that sacrifice for him, that he will be there. And it's God who will be working in us, doing something that we couldn't possibly do ourselves. And in that, for our world and even for ourselves, there's going to be great blessing. We have a knowledge that God has given us of the glory of Christ displayed in Him. Ultimately, in the death of Christ, which then moves us to live a life of serving ministry just as He did. And He promises us that when we do that, that He'll be there working wonderful things because we were willing to sacrifice ourselves for Him. I pray that in the year 2020 that you make the decision to ask this question, how is Christ in ministry in His name reflected in our lives? And that you will be open to letting God do that within you. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, you made a sacrifice that is greater than we can begin to comprehend. And you have said that when we make a similar sacrifice, one that is brought about by your sacrifice and reflects your sacrifice, that you'll be with us there in the midst of our service. And so, Father, I pray that you would move us in 2020 to serve you, to serve others in the process, and that you'll be right there in the middle of every choice we make for you, blessing us and bringing to your fruition, your fruit, those things that that you want to bring about by our service. Bless us with a strength, a power, an effectiveness that we cannot possibly have on our own, but be with us through your spirit to make this all a reality. We pray these things through Jesus. Amen.